We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's up everybody welcome into a brand new episode of the pack a day podcast i'm your host today andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl you can follow the podcast at pack a day podcast we finished up another Packers family night. And for the most part, it was a nondescript practice. And that's obviously going to be the the crux of my topic today is kind of going over some of the takeaways from family night. Of course, the first thing, you know, the fans in the stands and being able to see the the fans back at Lambeau Field. I know we got a little taste of it towards the end of last season, uh, but it wasn't the same. And I know this wasn't exactly a packed Lambeau Field. The weather had a lot to do with that, but still seeing 30,000 plus Packer fans in Lambeau Field is always fantastic, especially for a practice, especially in bad weather. So that's that's always going to be a takeaway is just how many avid Packer fans there are at a glorified Packers practice, which is just still so you know incredibly crazy to think about. Again, especially in inclement weather, which was somewhat of a story as well. Uh, practice gets postponed to start because of the weather. They end things a little bit early. They don't get to some of the periods they want. You can see some of the sloppiness on the field as well. There were a couple fumbled exchanges. Um, specifically, I think when Jordan Love was in there, I don't think it was anything that Jordan Love did wrong, but uh, you could just see uh, some of the sloppiness because of the wet football, the wet grass, the rain, everything like that. So a little bit of a sloppy practice. And again, not, um, you know, not being able to get to everything they wanted to is I'm sure a little bit of a bummer for the coaching staff. But uh, overall, uh, I thought it was a solid practice. And again, I think there were still some solid takeaways from it. Uh, Before I kind of get to some of those takeaways, there were a handful of players that were not practicing or participating in this practice. Obviously, anyone that's on PUP or the non-football injury list was still not practicing. But besides those players, Chris Blair, Equinemius St. Brown, Kamal Martin, Randy Ramsey, Josiah DeGuara, uh, Juwan Winfrey, and Kenny Clark were the players that weren't practicing. So uh, Equinemius St. Brown, Juwan Winfrey, and Kenny Clark were 
you know, potentially new players missing from practice. So we'll see if they're able to get back on Monday when practice opens back up or if they're still out. All of those are going to be worth monitoring. Obviously, Kenny Clark, you don't want any major issues with. And then with Juwan Winfrey and Equinemia St. Brown, those guys, you know, need every snap that they can get in a very crowded wide receiver room. Uh, So that's going to be worth monitoring as well. So hopefully no major injuries going into practice, but those were the players that did not practice on Saturday night. Practice kicked off with uh, one of the, the fan favorite net drills with Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, Kirk Benkert, trying to hit the stationary net in the back of the end zone uh, from a variety of distances. Uh, Kirk Benkert uh, had the first long one. Uh, he had like around a 45-50 yarder. And then Aaron Rodgers responded to that with hitting two from distance. He had already hit a few uh, shorter passes. So I believe Rodgers hit five in the net total, which is just absolutely crazy and just goes to show you the accuracy that he still has and just how he, you know, owns those sort of drills. And it's, you know, I know that we've seen this from Aaron Rodgers over the years, but it's still nothing short of extraordinary to see the pinpoint accuracy that he has. And yes, the, you know, the, the nets are stationary and yes, you know, the, they're, they're fairly big, but it's still, you watch it and you still are just in awe of, of the quarterbacks and their accuracy with this. And even the ones that, there were a couple that, you know, hit the, um, you know, hit the, like the framework of the net and things like that. But I mean, getting anywhere close to it's impressive, but sinking it in the back of the net is crazy. And again, Rogers did it five times. And again, Bankert had one from about 50 yards out as well. So that's always fun to watch. It's interesting. The the play of the day, I'm going to get to probably a little bit later. It's probably the, the Savage maybe interception or something like that. But today, the biggest topic that we would be talking about right now, if Reggie Begleton held on to the pass, was the throw from Jordan Love to, to Reggie Begleton in the back of the, or in the front of the end zone, I guess I should say. But on the play, play action fake, and Begleton's running uh, a deep post two defenders on him. I think Innes Gaines was one. I forget who the other person was, but two defenders on him. And Jordan Love unleashed a pinpoint accurate 50 plus yard pass off of play action, literally in the only spot that Reggie Begleton could get it just outside of the outstretched arms of the two defenders. Unfortunately, Reggie couldn't come down with it. Again, two defenders there on the run, not the easiest catch in the world, but hit him right in the hands. If if he comes down with that, the you know, the Packer sports world is buzzing with the play that Jordan Love made. Now, in practice, this isn't a game, right? So in practice, you're focusing on what each player did individually. You're not necessarily looking at the outcome. And on that specific play, yes, it was you know, unfortunate that Begleton dropped it and that'll go, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately as a miss for Begleton and something that'll be on, on his report card moving forward. But for Jordan Love, that is the type of flash play that showed up in college. That's the type of flash play that has showed up with a little bit more consistency in year two that we didn't necessarily see in year one during training camp. And those are the type of things that give you hope 
for a future with Jordan Love as quarterback. And it's just, it was a gorgeous ball in pinpoint accuracy off of play action. And you just love to see those things. So uh, I thought Jordan Love had a fairly nice day. He did miss on one pass, uh, but I thought he hit some receivers in stride. I saw him go through progressions a little bit more. So I thought today was a big step in the right direction for Jordan Love. And again, we would all be buzzing right now about that Jordan Love throw, even more so if it was caught by Begleton. But when evaluating Jordan Love, it literally doesn't matter if Begleton caught it or not. And that's what these sessions and periods are for, to evaluate these players individually. And Jordan Love gets a huge A plus for that throw. And again, I thought his overall day was much more solid and one of the better days that he's put together in camp so far. So the next up is I want to discuss some defensive backs here. Uh, Jair Alexander had another really nice day, a couple pass breakups, and it just looking absolutely like Jair Alexander. And Again, I've said this on so many different occasions. Just if you get some time in the rest of training camp, just watch what Jair Alexander does on a play-by-play basis because his just pure athleticism and ability to play corner in the NFL is so special. And you just see him come up with these plays day after day after day in practice. And this was another great opportunity. I know this one was on TV, at least locally in some areas of Wisconsin. Um, so it just you know gives another platform for it. But Man, Jair Alexander standing out again. And then KB Anento had a couple really nice pass breakups as well. And again, he's he's put together a pretty nice training camp so far. And I, I go back to the fact that, you know, Ento, you know, made it on the roster, not the 53, but on the overall roster his rookie season, was going to be on the 53 last year, was going to be a core special teams player, is looking to make it as a core special teams player again this year. But he's showing that you know, I don't think anyone's mistaking the fact that, you know, I don't think you can just put KB and Ento in as your starting corner and you'd be like, oh, we're good to go. But as your number six corner, a KB and Ento type player is an ideal type of player in that situation or scenario. He can go out and play special teams, you know, on kick coverage, on punt coverage, can do a variety of different things, can probably even be a jammer on punt returns. So he can be on multiple special teams unit, field goal blocks, etc. But he's showing enough that in a pinch, if you need him out on, you know, in the defensive backfield, you might be able to get by with him at least a little bit. And that has a lot of value as your sixth defensive back, as well as being a player who still has some upside with this just being his third year ever playing defensive back. Remember, he played wide receiver in college. So another nice night from KB Nento. It was interesting afterwards. Matt LaFleur was asked about KB Nento, and he really downplayed it and just basically you know, kind of made it seem like Cabian's got a long, you know, you know, a ways to go and he's just got to come out and compete and put together things consistently day in and day out. And it's one of two things. Either he was being totally blunt and it wasn't a real rousing, you know, uh, evaluation of Cabian Ento and just going out to show that Cabian has more to prove if he wants to make this roster, or this is a classic coach who knows that this is a player that's probably on the fringe of making the team or not. And if he doesn't make it, you want to get him back on your practice squad. And he probably knows that if he goes out of his way to say how great KB looks, that may catch the eyes of some scouts around the league and they may keep a little, a little bit of a closer eye on him. So as a coach, sometimes in those situations, it's to your benefit to have a fringe player and just maybe not give out too much information. This was this seemed like a classic coach of like, I'm not going to give you too much information on KB Nento, but 
maybe he was being 100% truthful and uh, it just should be a message to Kabian that he still has work to do. And I think either way, right? I don't think I'm certainly, I'm, as you can tell, uh, you know, I think Kabian has the opportunity to make a 53 man roster, but in no way, shape, or form does Kabian, I don't think, have anything locked up at this point. So he still has work to do, whether that was sincere or maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, coach speak at the at the podium from Matt LaFleur. Uh, certainly still work to do, but a really nice night from Kabianento as well. And then Chandon Sullivan, another corner who I thought had nice coverage. There's about three different plays. He didn't make any pass breakups, at least that I saw, but about three different plays where he was in coverage on the play. One play where they threw to Cobb and it fell incomplete. Another where they threw to Devontae and it fell incomplete. They might've had another one that fell incomplete as well. But when when targeting Chandon, there just wasn't anything going on. So I think Sullivan looks so far in training camp, much more like 2019 Chandon Sullivan than 2020 Chandon Sullivan. And that's a pretty significant difference. In 2019, when Chandon played, he looked like a legitimate slot defender who could help this team in a variety of different ways. 2020, we saw some flashes of that here and there, but with some real inconsistency and struggles in between. If he bounces back to how he looked in 2019, that could be a very big step for this defensive backfield. So nice night for Chandon Sullivan as well. At running back, I thought, you know, a a couple guys. So we got to see a couple, you know, runs from Patrick Taylor. And I mentioned this the other day. I am so excited to see what happens when the, you know, when the the pads come on in preseason, right? And there's actually live tackling. We talk about AJ Dillon. Listen, AJ Dillon just built differently, right? But Patrick Taylor is a big running back with a little bit of burst and explosion to his game. He's got good hands. Like I'm really intrigued. And like, I think this could be a running back who, you know, I still think he's going to fight to, you know, to, to have to make this roster. They're probably going to have to keep four running backs because Kylan Hill, who I'm just going to talk about in a minute, I think is really just too darn good to not keep as your number three. But Patrick Taylor has me really intrigued and I want to really see him and, you know, dive into him deeper when he finally gets some NFL carries because he's a really unique, you know, build of running back. Having AJ Dillon on the roster probably counterfeits Patrick Taylor a little bit in the fact that you've already got this big bruising running back and one that is probably going to do it to a much higher extent than you are. So you're not getting any diversity by keeping Patrick Taylor on the on the, on the roster, basically. You're not getting a kick returner. You're not getting a guy that's going to do a ton on special teams. You're not getting a great pass, you know, uh, you know, pass catcher out of the backfield. And as you start putting some of those things together, uh, when I say not a great, he's got good hands. He can run a couple routes. He's just not like, a, you're not going to put him in as your third down back, right? I should put it that way. Uh, when you look at it, he's a, he's a pure, he's mostly just a running back, right? And in today's day and age, the more you can do as a third down back, pass protector, running back, kick returner, you know, maybe being used on special teams in a variety of ways, the better. And when you already have a guy like that in AJ Dillon, who's not going to probably play a ton of special teams and do a lot of that stuff, that makes it really difficult to keep Patrick Taylor as well. So he's definitely behind the eight ball, but I'm really intrigued by his build and his running style. And I want to see what he's going to do in preseason. Had a couple nice runs in family night. Kylan Hill, same exact thing. There was a couple runs where he just, he's, you know, looks like a little jitterbug out there. Made a great jump cut in the backfield and gained some extra yardage off of it. Like I said a couple moments ago, Kylan Hill is, he's just too good to not keep. Like, and, and there's going to be teams. Go back and listen. If you haven't had a chance yet, go listen. Go back and listen to my scouting report on Kylan Hill. Um, right after the draft got done, I did every every uh, draft pick for the Packers and did a scouting report on him from uh, an extensive tape study on each of those guys. 
Kylan Hill, I was irrational, irrationally excited about, irrationally excited about, easy for me to say, but I was so excited about what he put on tape in college. And to me, when I watched him, that was closer to a third or fourth, probably fourth round draft pick, maybe fifth, um, you know, round draft pick than anything near the seventh. I thought Green Bay got an absolute steal. And I think he's starting to show that practice in and practice out. And he just seems to be getting better. And I thought he had a really nice um, family night as well. And then Aaron Jones, you know, I think he only had, you know, one or two touches, uh, but you can just see how smooth of a runner Aaron Jones is. He got the one little check down in the open field, made somebody miss, got up field. He just looks exactly like Aaron Jones. And there's there's no bigger compliment for a player at running back right now uh, in Green Bay than that. He's just been so good for the last few seasons. So nice to see him back in Packer green and gold after an off season where you weren't sure if that was going to happen. We can always debate whether or not they, they paid too much to a running back and things like that. But there's no question that this team is better when Aaron Jones is out there. And uh, I really like this running back group from Jones to Dylan to Kylan Hill to Patrick Taylor. Even Dexter Williams has had a really nice camp. So they're going to have to make some tough decisions, but really, really like this running back group. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another player who had another nice night and is having a very strong training camp is Robert Tunyon. And again, I think I've talked about him in the last two, you know, two podcasts here, you know, at least two of the last three. And he's just catching everything his way. And the, the level of confidence that he's playing with right now, you know, remember, this is a player who is close with George Kittle. And, uh, you know, those guys have practiced together uh, in the offseason, the last few offseasons. And I'm just hoping Tunyon didn't teach, you know, Kittle everything he knows. But in all seriousness, you know, I think some of that that swagger and intensity from from Kittle is, is kind of uh, moved on to, you know, from uh, to Tanyan a little bit. And again, when you have a season like Tunyon had a season ago, after a couple of years where you're just trying anything you can to make it, it just gives you so much confidence. And you can just see that in Tunyon right now. He's catching everything that comes his way. And Aaron Rodgers is not hesitant to continually uh, look at Tunyon in the middle of the field, which is, again, with Rodgers, who's still, even last year, uh, tended to avoid the middle of the field a little bit. If Tunyon can be a real difference maker, you know, go back to Jermichael Finley. And Tunyon and Jermichael are not the same player, so I'm not saying that. But go back to Jermichael Finley and how Aaron was able to attack the middle of the field back with Finley in those days. If Tunyon can give some of that, man, it just opens up this offense so much more. And this was already obviously the number one offense a season ago. But Tunyon looks better, and that is a dangerous thought for opposing defenses. 
As I mentioned before, the play of the day may have just have been the interception by Darnell Savage. Another drop by Devonta Adams, who's had some issues with drops this training camp. Am I concerned about it? Absolutely not. Not one iota, but definitely rare uh, for Adams to have this many drops. Remember, it's a very slick football, um, but you know, hits Devonta Adams right in the hands. He bobbles it a little bit, and then Darnell Savage makes a really nice interception where you know, kind of bounces a couple times. He keeps concentration on it, you know, and and then picks off the ball. So nice play by him. Odd play by by Adams. You just don't see it that often, but you can see the the confidence starting to come with Darnell Savage as well. And again, it, it's a play that probably should have been what eight yard slant to, to Adams, and we're not talking about probably Savage at all, but. One of the things that this defense needs to do a better job of is just being opportunistic. And that's an ex- a perfect example of a defense that's opportunistic of a ball that bounces their way. I just feel like this defense hasn't always taken advantage of those type of situations. Darnell Savage is a player who can take advantage of those situations. And he was opportunistic on that play. And uh, in that situation, it paid off for the defense. A couple other quick news and notes type things here. You know, I talked about the Devonte Adams drop. Well, he may have had the moment of the day. There's a video that went slightly viral after the game. Uh, Adams jumped literally over a police officer after the game. So they're all kind of, the Packers are kind of getting together around the fans and going up to see the fans and things like that. And you see like this group of players getting together. And then all of a sudden you see Adams sprint in and literally jump over like, true like Vince Carter in the Olympics dunking over a seven foot dude like type jump just jumps straight over the police officer's head uh and it was like literally right on top of him it's not like he like jumped to the side of anything like that like he jumped literally right over and just shows the freak athleticism of a player like Devonte Adams like he cleared him easily like he's probably what five ten six feet tall and he just pure cleared him. No no concerns whatsoever. So that's just Devontae being a completely freak athlete. Another player who stuck out a couple different times was Josh Avery, newly signed defensive tackle. Had a couple plays where he got into the backfield. So uh, definitely a player that I'm gonna have to keep a little extra eye on. I mean, these are always tough situations where you come in at this point in training camp and then try to make a name for yourself. But you know, you've got three preseason games and a family night and those sort of things. And the more you can do in those situations and circumstances, the better. Josh Avery made a couple plays at family night. That that goes a long way in sticking out. And now he's just got to, you know, again, Mike McCarthy stack success one practice after the other. Uh, but I thought that was a pretty nice showing from Josh Avery. And then also in the middle of the field, TJ Slayton had another stop uh, right at the line of scrimmage. I believe it was in the live tackling period where he's right in the thick of things. He actually got to start, the quote unquote start at uh, nose tackle with Kenny Clark being out. So remember Clark's out, Kingsley Kiki's out, uh, you know, out as well, but it was Lowry and then Slayton and then uh, Lancaster. So, you know, there's nobody else really on the roster that, you know, probably would have gotten that nod, but still good for Slayton to get some of those reps with the first team. And for the most part, when, uh, when I was able to see him look like he was kind of making the most out of it. And then lastly, from a, um, a family night standpoint, the MVP of the game, no injuries. So Matt LaFleur mentioned in his uh, press conference after practice that it sounds like they got away with no injuries from practice. So that is always a huge outcome of any practice game, scrimmage, whatever. Uh, But especially with a slick field and then players having to postpone a little bit from coming out of the locker room to go on the field, like, and then, you know, just trying to sub so many different people in and out. You never know what's going to happen in those, you know, those situations. They they did some live tackling. So all 
all those things going on and to get out of there with no injuries, another big win for the Packers coming out of family night. That's what I'm going to label my MVP for this one. And again, which was mostly a nondescript practice. And then last but not least, I want to wrap things up today, just quickly talking about Charles Woodson, who went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Woodson is bar none on my Mount Rushmore of favorite Packers. And he might be one. He, he was so fun to watch. And I go back to that Dom Capers defense. And I know I've, t- I've talked about this maybe a couple times before, but what Charles Woodson was able to do for that Dom Capers defense was nothing short of extraordinary during those, you know, the Super Bowl run and the, you know, in, in the, the, the years surrounding that, right? This is a defense that if, if you looked at it, they, they played so much nickel, right? They played two defensive tackles, and then it was like Zombo and Clay Matthews at outside linebacker. They had multiple inside linebackers that were circling in. A lot of Raji and Colin Jenkins as, as those defensive tackles. And then, you know, Charles Woodson in the slot, and then you got the rest of your defensive back, Sam Shields, Tremont Williams, Charlie Pepra, Nick Collins. A lot of really talented players on that team, right? Colin Jenkins, BJ Raji, Clay Matthews, um, you know, Tremont Williams, Sam Shields, Nick Collins, all those guys, tremendously talented Green Bay Packers. But to me, the guy that made that all work was Charles Woodson. And, the, you know, teams were still pass heavy at that point, and, but Green Bay was so ahead of its time playing so much nickel. But the reason they were able to do that is because Charles Woodson was basically an outside linebacker as well when he was playing in that spot. And if you if you think of it this way, right... So Green Bay just keeps that same nickel defense. Two defensive linemen, you know, four linebackers, including two edge rushers and Clay and Zombo. And then, you know, Charles Woodson in the slot, two corners outside, two safeties, right? They just keep that defense on the field almost no matter what they're they're changing in. If the opposing offense comes with a little bit more of a run formation or a power formation, what basically what it amounts to is Zombo then kind of almost moves as like a defensive lineman. So you've got Zombo and you've got Raji and you've got Colin Jenkins basically as three defensive linemen. Clay Matthews and Charles Woodson are now your outside linebackers. And then you've got, whether it was Desmond Bishop, Nick Perry, uh, sorry, not Nick Perry, Nick Barnett, um, AJ Hawk, Brandon Schiller, who's ever in there at the time where you're inside linebackers, you've now moved into a 3-4 with Charles Woodson literally acting as, as basically an outside linebacker And oh, by the way, he can rush off the edge in that situation, almost like an edge rusher, a ton of sacks during that time, especially for a DB. He can set the edge as a run defender. He can literally do all of that. Now the team says, okay, that doesn't work. We're going to pass on this team. Well, now you've got a freaking Hall of Famer as a corner, you know, chilling in the center with Sam Shields and Tremont Williams on the outside. You know, you can drop back your linebackers. You've got Clay Matthews coming off the edge. You can still blitz Charles Woodson off the edge. You can drop Clay into coverage. Like it opened up so many avenues for Dom Capers in that defense to confuse and to make things difficult. But what Charles Woodson was able to do I mean, and he could scream back basically as a pseudo safety. He could cover man to man. He could cover in zone. He could blitz. He could set the edge. He could, all of it, like all of it It is just absolutely crazy. And to have a player like that, who's just an absolute, you know, chess piece. I mean, and that, that term gets overused at times. Charles Woodson at that spot 
was a literal legitimate chess piece. And when we talk about this Joe Barry star formation or what you want a nickel cornerback to look like, that's it. And that's why the Rams had so much success in a lot of ways with using Jalen Ramsey in a similar type of slot situation in a lot of plays a season ago um, in you know a Joe Barry style defense, Brandon Staley, et cetera. To me, it's Ramsey is the closest player we've had to Charles Woodson since Charles Woodson because he has that size, that strength, that bulk, the physicality. He's still good and great, I should say, in man-to-man, like just so talented. And, you know, again, it, it, you're taking, you're seeing what, you know, Brandon Staley and Jalen Ramsey did a season ago was copying a ton from what you saw from Charles Woodson and Dom Capers during that Super Bowl run in Green Bay. So, Kudos on an absolutely worthy Hall of Fame career for Charles Woodson, one of the absolute all-time greats. Wish he could have played a few more seasons in Green Bay. That's a story for another day. Aaron Rodgers has certainly done uh, some talking about that this offseason already, so I think he's probably said it better than I could. But uh, congratulations to Charles Woodson, one of my all-time favorite Packers, and uh, congratulations on becoming a officially a Hall of Fame member, which is just unbelievable and, and super amazing and so deserved for him. That is going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. I greatly appreciate it. I'll be right back here tomorrow with a brand new episode, so make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.